but she is like the iridescent rainbow on a gasoline spill version of Beautiful Weirdo. At the time, I was more of the sweaty, break things apart. <laughs> I made a whole act called the Garbage Queen that involved my friends smashing records behind me while I rode a garbage can <laughs> in a hookah lounge in Blacksburg, Virginia, adjacent to the Virginia Tech campus. Uh, Go Hokies. everyone welcome to comedy girl crush podcast i'm kate siegel i'm nikki Irvin, and our guest today is ck kimball but before we get into that okay hmm? nikki what's up how's it going oh it's good things are good i'm adjusting to life Just one long adjustment. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, uh, earlier today, I was um, filming an audition, like for a sketch show that's going to be on TV. Um, so that was fun uh, to bust out. Hell yeah! <laughs> bust out the uh, the old wigs and costumes, and to like uh, have have some fun with that. And I went a little overboard. We're like, oh, we were you know supposed to do uh, characters uh, that they like gave us from these like historical ca- figures and um, these like queer historical figures. And uh, I am going a little overboard with it, where I'm also playing all the other characters in the scene too because because uh, that's more fun for me yeah um, so like yeah sure sure could i uh could i just play joan of arc yes uh do i also want to play god and prince charles and the narrator in the scene 100 percent. because like <laughs> i do sketch comedy and this is what what we do like yeah we, we can play all the characters so we will play all the characters absolutely oh yeah yeah and it's also like good practice like for me i i think i've said this before but like anytime i'm doing an audition where i get to do something fun where it's like character character driven like uh, or just auditions in general for me i i look at them very much as um as an, another performance opportunity so like even if nobody's gonna see it for me it's the most fun is like hey how how much how much fun can i have with this can i uh can i do this where like i'm proud of because like yeah it's just good practice for making character videos which after that great episode of chelsea pope that is something that i'm like very much determined to uh, take that on into my like weekly routine as like doing characters every week at nice. least yeah yeah at yeah. least once a week yeah doing some sort of character video because i have so many props and costumes yeah dude and it's just like i think it's just a matter of time for a lot of people of like carving it out and like really like just like being like this is the time when i'm gonna work on this particular y- thing yes yeah. yes and just you know it's it's fun. It's my favorite thing in the world. And I have to like, let go of this idea that, um, I have to let go of this idea that it has to be something like, Oh, that's going to lead to, you know, career stuff. Like not that this has been much of a problem for me, but, um, cause most of the, 
most of the time of doing comedy has been like, yeah, this is just something I do for fun. But now like translating it into something I self-motivate to do. Yeah. Um, like that's where, you know, it's a whole thing of like, oh, if like having to self-motivate equals work to me. And yeah. like, so taking that out and being like, no, I do this because this is the thing that I really enjoy doing. Also, <laughs> I started watching Barry for the first time last night. Oh, did you like it? Yeah, yeah. My um, my partner Jules, he like asked me if I'd ever seen it, and I was like, no, I'd been meaning to. And he just like randomly, he just put it on. Okay, and didn't give me a choice. <laughs> and uh, it was like, oh yes, this is why I have been putting off seeing it because it is it it is painful, but also very like it's painful because it's it's true like ah. like not the like uh i don't know how much of the hitman stuff is true but like the acting class like those specifics about right. that like feel <laughs> what it, what it's like to be in an acting class like oh and it was just the scene where like the girl is like you know like taking the um taking out like looking for her costume you know for this this guy's memorial uh, and looking for this like costume piece, this like nun costume. She's got all of her like little props and you know like costumes are sitting in like a pile around her. And I'm just like, ouch, ouch. This is like like she's like that's like kind of the joke right there. And I, I'm that joke, but it's so funny because it's so true. And I don't know. It's it's kind of exciting to have like to finally like. I don't know, it's exciting to like be the butt of the joke, you know? Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 There's um, uh, Todd, Todd Salon's one of my favorite directors, and I can't remember which movie this is in. I feel like it's in Happiness, but one of his movies like heavily involves a creative writing workshop, like a college writing workshop. And oh. that's what I did. I was like a creative writing major in school. And so when I saw that movie, I was like, you know, this is like, you, when you see that thing where you're like, this is like painfully perfect. Yes. You're like, yes, you're this, like, this oh, is so heart. correct. It hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I've never taken an acting class. So the parts that I remember about Barry, I mean, outside of high school, but like the parts that I remember about Barry are like, this is really fucked up, dude. He's a murderer. <laughs> right. And they're not like, they're like, oh, they're like, I'm only, I'm only two episodes in, so I don't know how it goes. But if, like the way it's already set up, I'm like, they're like, oh, we're killing the bad guys. I was like, no, like no, he just kills people. He just, yeah, he gets the the notification, and then like this one dude is just like, oh, what? he like had sex with somebody's wife. Like, yeah. oh my god, he's not a bad person. He's just got a dick. You yeah, know? Like, dude. Um, yeah. he's just in a. a anyway, uh, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I just got back from visiting family, which is nice. Yeah. Always fun to see my sisters. It was actually like one of the first times where we didn't have like any conflict whatsoever. Oh. Yeah. Like none. Like it was just the easiest trip from beginning to end. Everyone is in a great mood the whole time. Like it was just fun and easy. It was great. What is, what is, um, now I'm curious about what conflict looks like in here. Oh my gosh, bro. I mean, you know, we, my parents, my, my parents like fought a lot when we were kids. And so my sisters and I are like not afraid to like fight when we're mad at each other. Ah. And so conflict gets like, it's, you know, it's a lot to go into, but we have like a lot of like, 
there's just a lot, you know, family has like a lot yeah. that like underneath. And sometimes, sometimes it happens where somebody's like feeling a type of way. And like, this is the moment where I'm going to like, let it all out and tell everybody what I think about them. And you know what I mean? Yes, like we yes. have those every now and then. Okay. And especially when I go down to visit, cause I'm not down there as much. Um, so I feel like there's like an opportunity when I go down for every, it's like, it's almost like we have a mini festivus almost every time. It's like an airing <laughs> of the grievances. It's like, okay, it usually happens right before I'm supposed to leave. And then it's like, let's do an airing of the grievances right before you have to get in the car and drive. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and think about this for the whole way home. You know what I mean? Oh, it's, it can get kind of gnarly. So this one was like just a really delightful, very easy, very fun trip down and it was uh, made complicated by the trains in California, which uh. I fucking hate the trains. Yo, I love the train in theory, but in practice, this train has always, always fucked me up. That's why we need that. Um, what is that? The, uh, uh, the high speed yeah, rail. Yeah, high speed rail. So I, I was immediately just going monorail. Monorail, 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 monorail. monorail. <laughs> oh, hey, uh, random fact. Uh, let's, talking about The Simpsons makes me think of um, uh, Dana Gould, who was a writer and executive producer on The Simpsons for years. Um, uh, and I saw him in a show on Friday night. Um, and uh, it was uh, your late night show tonight. Oh, yes. Yes, and I went live in person, and it was on top of a roof on top uh, on um, Grand Central Market. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, an earthquake happened in the middle of the show, and it was like this moment where we're like, it's we're on top of a parking garage, technically. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, all this stuff is happening, you know, like there's helicopters going around, you know, there's like loud music thumping. So like there's already so much that's like there to distract you and like technical issues. Um, and uh, at some point we're like, I was like thinking like, is this a, like a truck is driving under us where it's like, you know, shaking the thing. And I was like, oh no, this is, this is an earthquake. Like, Dang. yeah, it was a, a moment of uh, terror. The performers on stage handled it with a plum. Uh, it was my, uh, I, I was like, I was going to call him my friend, but I'm like, oh, we're not friends yet. Um, but we will be. Uh, <laughs> Blaine Capatch, but uh, Candace Martellera was on the show. And oh, she was great. yeah. Yes, very cool. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Lauren, I was in San Diego. Lauren texted me about the earthquake, though. Uh, when And we were talking about this because we used to live in an apartment like a couple stories up. And so we would feel every earthquake. And he was saying that here in our house, now that we're like on the bottom story, he was like, oh no, I didn't feel anything. Ah. I was like, oh really? Like the higher you go up, the more you feel it. Oh, so yeah. at the top of that parking garage, you oh, probably really felt it. Yeah, it was like a, like a little dance. Yeah, dang. A little dance. I remember uh, Atsuko Okatsuka, uh, she was doing stand-up like a few years ago and an earthquake happened like right in the middle of it. And like she kind of went viral because of how she like reacted while in the middle of her set to oh. do like you know this this you know this earthquake happened right in the middle of her set and she like her reaction was like so perfect uh she went viral for it what did she do what was her reaction oh God, I, no i don't even remember i'll have to look it up yeah uh look it up <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, Lauren and I, we went and saw, Vidiots does a rooftop cinema thing, and we went and saw Point Break. And the way they do it is everybody wears headphones, and so all the oh. sound goes through headphones, because like otherwise, yeah, the sound in downtown, like we had helicopters flying above us like the whole time we were down there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if we didn't have the sound in headphones, yeah, I'm sure. So it's crazy that they have to do all of that, like do a live comedy show with all of that going on with like all the downtown stuff happening. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, it definitely, like, it, it added to this, like, this hecticness of, like, not, yeah, yeah, there was just, like, so many different potential things that could go on. Luckily, the, the host, um, Blaine, was, he's, like, somebody who's, uh, you know, he's, he's an expert, like, He's very good. He's very good at rolling with the punches. I got to see him on Pop Cultured. Yeah, and he is yes, bro. He was a joke machine. He's joke, like laughing yes. in it. Yeah. Oh like, my god, so good. Um, you know who else was a a joke machine? <laughs> uh, oh my god, god no. Nope. <sighs> Terrible. Uh, no, or wonderful. Uh, yes. Uh, we le- let's talk about uh, let's talk about Norm Macdonald. Let's talk about Norm Macdonald. Yeah, yes. let's do it. Because you know we we uh, complicated feelings. Yeah, it's uh, man, it fucking sucks. Because like I didn't, you know, I'm one of those people who like didn't. I'm not like a comedy insider, so I didn't really know yeah. anything about uh, who he was or what he was like to actually work with. Um, yeah. So I just have, I'm one of those people that was like, oh, I love Norm MacDonald's comedy. He was so funny. His delivery so wry. He was so original, blah, blah, blah. And then, ba ba ba. Yeah. Of or it's like, yeah. You, have, you know, people, women coming out and saying, like, yeah, yeah, cool. Oh, wow. This is really hard to see all of these people talk so well about this person and say what a genius he was and how perfect he was. But I did not have that experience. Uh, and he harassed, he harassed me or just made me feel uncomfortable or, you know, in general, like made me feel like I wasn't, I didn't belong because I was a woman. And like, yeah, that's a, that's super unfortunate. Like, yeah. yeah. And I, I, it's interesting when somebody is so beloved uh how like you know some of the negative things that they do aren't going to come to the surface so like and it's ironic because he was one of those people who was like very anti-cancel culture you know like he yeah. was defending louis ck mm-hmm. and you're like we, we kind of like you know raised an eyebrow there but like uh how we weren't uh like like the information about him and sort of like the mistakes that that he made um weren't weren't really coming out to like uh the zeitgeist you know yeah well he was just apparently like a a total misogynist like an unashamed yes. like complete misogynist right like um, it's always wild to me to find out that there there are still people who walk around with those ideas and they feel unchallenged on them. Yeah. And there is something to be said of like, you know, like, you know, I, I always say like good people do bad things all the time. And like nobody's nobody's perfect. And we're all like nuanced and stuff like that. Um, and like, you know, Norm in particular, like, you know, he, he did a lot of really great things for certain, you know, for some people. Um, Lori Kilmartin tweeted about uh, how, uh, you know, how encouraging he was uh, after her father died. And uh, that, you know, in the green room that he was, you know, having conversation with her and gave her some like, you know, really, really good advice. And obviously like he was like suffering from cancer at the time when, yeah. uh, 
when that happened. Uh, and it was very interesting because then, you know, uh, a little bit later, I saw, you know, a tweet where somebody was describing, you know, him making her feel uncomfortable, uh, kind of harassing her, just saying things that were like, you know, made this girl feel uncomfortable. Uh, like, oh, and uh, Lori like commented on it and was like, I'm so sorry that you had that experience and you went through that with that. Like that was, you know, that's that's pretty shitty. And it's just really interesting to see like the two sides where like on one hand, Lori is saying, you know, like, you know, he did these he did this really wonderful thing, but also acknowledging like, yeah, also he did this shitty thing. And I'm like, we can do that. We can acknowledge yes. both. We don't have to, we don't have to be like, Oh, we don't have to be like all or nothing on it. Yes. That we can acknowledge that he did some really wonderful things and helped a lot of people out and encouraged a lot of people, but also did, you know, did the opposite of that. Yeah. Because we're all human and so is he. And I think that, I don't know, that was my takeaway from Norm dying and the things that came out after that um, was like, okay, it is sad and you're allowed to be sad and, but also acknowledge that. Yeah. This person caused hurt. Yeah, that yeah hurt happened. That hurt happened. Yeah, multifaceted. I know it's like that whole thing where it's like you fine, fine. Annie Hall is your favorite fucking movie. I don't care. But Woody Allen, you cannot defend him as a human being. Don't right. you dare try. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well. But you know who's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who would that be nikki oh our guest for today uh <laughs> yeah we got ck kimball on the podcast today she's an actor writer comedian and burlesque performer she currently writes and hosts videos for the tundra ck hi <laughs> thank you for coming on that was great i love the personality in that dismount yeah <laughs> hi, hi. Um. <laughs> So yeah, I were uh, I've been currently writing for the Tundra, and the <laughs> I'm just excited about it because before then it was always writing like features for movies and TV because it's my bread and butter, yeah. and especially horror because I've got yeah. a whole chip on my shoulder about yeah. women in horror and women speaking horror and femme in horror and all of that having a voice. So actually writing for the Tundra, which is writing for physics and about space and about Mars colonization and all the subject matter that interests me, but I never dug into it because I didn't think I could handle it. Oh. has been dope. When you say you didn't think you can handle it, you mean like the physics, like understanding black holes and the The intensity of that. Yeah. 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 But this is great because the whole point is I'm not supposed to be an expert. The whole point is I'm an enthusiast. And so I get to try and write concepts that are kind of seem complicated in a way that makes them a little bit more understandable. But to do that, you got to really dig deep so you know what the hell it is to begin with. Ah, <laughs> I love that's that. cool. It's so fun. I'm going to start calling myself a comedy enthusiast so that people don't expect <laughs> me to like know things about comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a hobbyist. Yes. Oh, I like that a lot, actually. That, yeah. I feel like that will help a lot of my like my own personal issues with uh with like having many interests, but very little knowledge on them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, though that- at, th- at this point, I know a lot about Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah? How come? Oh I, right, you're reading it. Uh, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Just like once I finish, I start again. <laughs> Wait, so, is that true? Are you? Yeah, yeah, I feel like I'm constantly reading Lord of the Rings. I'm just like restarting it. Uh, it's my safety blanket. Oh, interesting. It used to be Harry Potter, but 
Um, uh, choices were made. Choices yeah. were made. She woke up and chose violence every day <laughs> yes. for years. Yes. <laughs> but we don't need to talk about that bitch. Uh, uh, we're here to talk about this bitch. This, this bitch. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, CK. Uh, thank you so much for for coming on. It's uh, it's very cool to talk to you in this environment. Of course, I get to talk to you all the time because you're my next door neighbor. Just <laughs> great. Don't, we don't use the fact that our windows are right across from each other as often as we should you guys don't have a tin can telephone no it's oh. we've been threatening for years <laughs> by years i mean the months that she's lived there <laughs> no she just yells at me sporadically through her window scaring the absolute shit out of That's me amazing. i am very sorry about that <laughs> you were genuinely terrified i don't like scares either it's like and i got you really good i did my uh my crow thing what's like, your crow thing oh just like my my window was open and i saw i saw her walking past and oh (laughs) she like i would have had that would have scared the shit out of me i thought she was in danger and apparently (laughs) you shouldn't be negatively reinforcing me to just walk on when you sound like you're in danger plus you know i've been trying to make friends with the crows since i moved Mm -hmm. over there and i thought maybe i'd finally broken the ice So you, so you put yourself in danger in the future, and you broke my heart. I hope it was worth it. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> Befriending crows—that's a very on-brand, on-horror brand thing of you to do. Oh yeah. Yes. yes. You know how smart they are, right? Yeah, they're really fucking smart, right? Oh yeah. God, yeah, yeah. You, you can't. I haven't figured it out yet. Like allegedly. You can start feeding them, and then they'll start bringing you shiny things, which yes. is all I'm trying to do. Oh, for yeah. sure. CK's a raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> I have a raccoon tiny hand spirit. Yes. <laughs> she gets her hand, uh, her little paw caught in traps all the time. Honestly, if you did put a slip trap around the complex, you probably would get me pretty fast. Uh, <laughs> what would you have to put in the trap? Um, good vibes. Good vibes. <laughs> good vibes. <laughs> It's like crystals. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how to trap me. <laughs> I know I look stupid, but I'm not dumb. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I was just asking for a friend. I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> CK, you grew up in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Mechanicsville, Virginia, uh, 20 minutes north of Richmond, RVA. We have a, a lot of we have a lot of pride about being anywhere near Richmond from our section of the woods. Mm. Oh, okay. Because it's, it's a it's a fancy place. <laughs> what's, what's the deal? With Rich, Richmond? Richmond has such a specific energy to it. Like there, since there's VCU, uh, the arts college there, that is also um, kind of inexpensive. A lot of people end up staying in state. And so it slowly built this up, this artist colony kind of feel to it. Ooh. While at the same time, again, having really a really poor infrastructure and urban planning and a really nasty history with uh, the Civil War and the Confederacy. Sure, yeah. But that's part of why uh, Monument Avenue, I think now across the country, everyone's kind of seen it. But we have a street in Richmond called Monument Avenue. Had a ton of Confederate soldier monuments mm-hmm. up and down it, including the infamous Robert E. Lee statue, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. just recently removed. Yeah. But if you'd seen photos of it, you probably saw all of the graffiti that littered around the bottom of it, that gorgeous collection of colors and influence. That is basically the best example of what Richmond has developed into what it's become. And why we all kind of have this strange, like, if we're near it or grew up around it, this 
connection to it, this love for it, this like mm. defensiveness while at the same time fully like, no, it is fucked up those monuments stayed on that road for that fucking long. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's dope. But I'm sure everyone has that from where they came home, came home, came from. <laughs> no, my hometown fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I will say that to anyone who still lives there. My sisters both live there, so I, I mean, we all say, I mean, we all say it. It fucking sucks. <laughs> uh, hey, you know, if you can just be honest, you know, that's yeah, how we, that's yeah. How we move on. But yeah. your hometown does sound really dope. Uh, oh, Mechanicsville. Well, I'm 20 minutes north of Richmond. Mechanicsville is its own freaking flavor. I'm that's s- for Mechanicsville? sure. Mechanicsville. Yeah. Mechanicsville. I'm obsessed, bro. That's amazing. <laughs> are how many mechanics are in Mechanicsville? Actually, quite a few. Oh, quite a few. I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was actually when my dad, when my mom and my dad moved there. Like, I'm literally born there just because there's no hospital there. I was born at Henrico Hospital because that was the closest. But born and raised as in from the hospital to the house they built in Mechanicsville, Virginia, until I was 18 and moved to Blacksburg, Virginia for college at Virginia Tech. Okay. But when my parents moved there, it was literally one stoplight and a Winn-Dixie grocery store on um, the intersection and the high school Lee Davis High and the the middle school Stonewall Jackson. Oh, man. Oh, dang. Super, super tiny. If you went there now... Nope, does not look like that whatsoever. Yeah. Got it. We got it all now. We got it all. We got Sonic. We got a Starbucks. We got Best Buy. Like very fancy. Up. Mechanicsville was the first area in Virginia to get a Walmart Super Center, y'all. <laughs> oh wow, wow. Spent a lot of time in that parking lot in high school. Let me tell you, <laughs> <Yeah>. big come up. <laughs> so what? What were you like? Uh, what was it like growing up? Were you um, were you into uh, like? theater performing writing were you were you creative as a kid and as a teenager uh you know it was uh it was really weird i know we talk about this a lot because all of us are artists all of us who hang out and know each other and artists comedians building stuff and we all kind of have that same story don't we that we were growing up we had a lean towards something creative and then as we got older we found different random outlets and then as adults, uh, we realized that we were coming off like weirdos and started defining our interests. <laughs> um, in my case, uh, I grew up in Mechanicsville, Virginia, but also more defined in Old Church, Mechanicsville, Virginia, which is out in the middle of the woods. Uh, I had no siblings until I was 16, so I was an only child living out uh, in the sticks it was mostly uh, me and my dad. Like my mom worked a lot and did a lot of horse shows, so she would be gone for weeks at a time sometimes. And I think it's so bizarre because I kind of don't know how this happened. Because my dad, um, he's a teacher and he's creative, but he's also pretty conservative. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we did not. He would take me to um, like art museums and whatnot. But the kind of movies and such that would show up in our house would be whatever was available at the Mechanicsville uh, video rental store. First video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm seeing I'm seeing some nods around the table. Mm-hmm. So we're all remembering how pre-internet age, whatever showed up in your rental place was just what existed as movies. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, <laughs> oh, yes. 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 Yeah. So he would rent just whatever was on the shelf and bring it back to me. So these are VHSs like uh, some weird... A uh, kid movie where the uh, pet shop is opened up by aliens who have big heads. They cover with gallon cowboy hats, and they 
adopt out their pets, these kids around the neighborhood, but these pets are alien pets and they turn in these bright colored weird creatures. Is this a real movie? This is real. What's this movie called? I can't remember. These are all just weird oh, I'm going to find this memory. movie. Do you feel like that, though, like watching movies like that had an influence on your sense of humor at all or like w- like what you enjoy in media? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's exactly what I was getting at yes. is that I said the long way of that my parents are amazing, but it's not like anybody was putting me in like after school um, advanced programs. Yeah. It was just whatever we did. So this influx of all this weird and honestly bad movies. They're like, yeah. But I would watch. Oh, they them sound terrible, but oh, great. Horrible. Yes. Oh, but you don't. Your kid. You don't have the concept of like the irony of bad. You're right, just like yeah. I can't stop watching. Like Mac and Me. I've seen yes. Mac and Me a million times. I had no <laughs> idea it was like a trope of bad. Like I don't know what this is. Oh. Look up Paul Rudd, Mac and Me, and just start there. Okay, great. Yes. Love it. Into mm-hmm. it. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't I love people this. who are like, no, I can't spoil things for you. Because I love not knowing anything about movies that I go into watching. You know what I mean? I love yeah. being just totally surprised. Yeah. I hate trailers. I'm like, I don't want to know. If it's good, I'll find out. <laughs> I love that you have that resolve. I love that. <laughs> Uh, I I made the mistake of watching uh, this random tangent. I made the mistake of watching Malignant after reading a review with a spoiler. Oh no! And I and but it's still I still enjoyed the fuck out of it. Though I wish that I had seen it having no idea because everybody who has seen it has been talked about how like holy fuck what just happened i was not expecting that at all oh. um yeah i've heard it's a great bad movie it's bad though right or is it good oh i've heard both it's mm, it's uh. it's just so <laughs> nice that james wan got to make his um argento movie let's put it that way he got to james wan got to do an argento I don't know what any of that means, CK. Why? Why, are you, why would you embarrass me like that? <laughs> no, that just sounds. That's very film auteur. So what yeah, is, yeah. Oh, I'm, I can You're, be pretentious and pedantic as fuck. Oh yes. no, you like you you know shit. You yeah, you know, know shit. You, you know things. <laughs> Ar- Argento, uh, Dario Argento is an Italian horror filmmaker known for. You probably heard of Suspiria because they did oh, a remake yes. of it. Okay. Um, so that's a whole kind of like specific style in the horror, or considered a specific style in the horror genre. Ah. So Malignant has this, uh, it's very, do you know James Wan is? No. James Wan is a director of like The Conjuring and Saul 2 or 3. Anyway. I don't know why you're looking at me. What about Sargento Cheese? (laughs) (laughs) That's so what I was thinking of, bro. (laughs) So James Wan uh, has a specific style and kind of a specific career that involves uh, dark scenes, uh, some camera tricks where you're looking at a corner, slide to the side, there's a shape of a body and slide back out and then come back quickly and it's gone. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. That kind of like, it know makes that. you feel yes. like. So uh, also lots of like haunted, uh, I, I feel like it has kind of like a, if you do things, if you think of things in terms of color, which I do a lot, uh, kind of like a blue gray or a metal gray or kind of like a, a bright bright light like led light kind of take to his style Mm. malignant on the other hand he directed this as well um while that's there you can really feel the james wan touch especially in a lot of the shots the way it's set up and moves forward is at least expressionist and to me felt really argento and someone kind of like 
the over-the-top gore moments that aren't presented with the the fear is watching the death, but presented in a stylized scene of what happened to this person already done and complete. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. It's a, it has concepts of like melodrama. If you ever got into melodrama at all where it's going to be 100% over the top, right? there's a lot of that malignant. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah. all right. Comedians seem to really love malignant, malignant right now because uh, it's... It's ridiculous. It's pretty funny. It's yeah. ridiculous. I laughed so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't laughed that hard in a movie in a hot second. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> it's so absurd. And that's re- it's really fun to have a horror movie that's just completely bonkers. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just like, yes. Okay. Anyways, let's not talk about this. Let's talk let's about re- you. Re- let's let's come back to you. The horror movie that is <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, don't the say freak that. show over here. That's rude. <laughs> Mickey is so good at transitions; it blows my mind. No. <laughs> yeah, she hurts my feelings a lot too. No. <laughs> no, I love you so much. I, love I you. think you're amazing. Not only do I love you as like a performer and a writer, um, but also like doing um, your burlesque is amazing. Oh, like, Sally. Yeah, Sally, sweet nothing. It's it's. Uh, it's so fun to watch you. Um, Thank you. Yes, I loved uh, when you hosted, uh, you hosted a couple of comedy burlesque shows at the Pack Theater that were... Um, the good old days. Yeah, oh, the good old yes. days. Uh, that were so fun. And you as a host were like, you were like everything that you want in a host. Like, because you were funny and, and flexible and on it and making like commentary, but also like keeping the show going along. Oh, um, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. And also the concepts were great. You also uh, choreographed uh, a Ghostbusters number that was super duper fun. Oh my God, that is my favorite memory, maybe. <laughs> I, I want to create a show where it would be stacked with people who are doing it for the first time. Also uh, with people who have done it many, many, many times before. Mm. Uh, in that vein, um, by the last one I got to do, which is Bill Murlesque, it was a Bill Murray-themed burlesque show. Every act had to be a Bill Murray-themed act. So I, I took a chance, and I choreographed a whole Ghostbusters dance. And mind you, uh, these kids, they had never done this before. And I can't tell you how much of a proud mom I felt. As in the end, I had to do a role in the dance. I'd cast someone else, but they unfortunately got sick and they couldn't do it day of. So then I took it over. So instead of getting to watch, I had to be in the back, quick changing out of my outfit back to my host outfit. And right as I look at my beloved Hope Richards, who was my stage manager and my co-producer for this, and looked at her and said, how's it going out there? I heard slam. And there went a pair of pants just slamming into the side wall. And I was like, good, good. They're out. They're, they got it going. <laughs> How did you get started in doing burlesque? Like, what was that journey? Uh, years and years and years ago, I was living in Blacksburg, Virginia, where I'd graduated from college at Virginia Tech. Uh, I was doing, I was just... What did you What did you go there for? I majored, I have a Bachelor's of Science in Psychology with a concentration in animal behavior and theater. Uh, mixing it up uh one of those i regret um animal behavior yeah (laughs) i didn't realize with the animal behavior i was basically just double dipping with theater anyway (laughs) roasted so after graduation i was still sticking around blacksburg because we had 
it'd been kind of a traumatic last two years. Uh, I was there during the massacre. So I kind of wasn't oh, ready to gosh. just, I apparently, I didn't have any executive function to just throw myself back out in the school or something. So I ended up working at a hookah lounge, Shisha Hookah Lounge, rest in peace, uh, for a couple of years. And in that process, I started working uh, with my current, one of my writing partners, Jack Bennett, on a feature called Caprice about a vampire. It's great. It's indie. If you can find it, it's amazing. You should watch it. We did it super low budget. Oh, you made it. We made it. Oh, cool. And yeah, it went to Slamdance. Like this was about 10 years ago. So this was a while ago. Uh, But he cast out of New York on the uh, recommendation of a friend, uh, this uh, amazing burlesque dancer named Stormy Leather. Stormy Leather came all the way to Blacksburg. We shot everything with her for a week. And before I met her, I had a concept of burlesque as being, you know, the feathers and the outfits and the tight makeup. And at the time, that felt very out of reach for my personality and who I was. I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself in that regard. So it seemed like something that I could never relate to. Instead, I meet Stormy Leather, who has acts that include her, like, uh, the pretty one is the backwards act where it's a reverse burlesque to uh, Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone. Then there's the one that she does where she ends it in Japanese knots that she ties throughout the entire act and then whips herself by the end. Oh, wow. I'm straining to remember, but I feel like there's an act she used to call Daddy's Home that I think ended with her taking um, a weapon up a personal area. I don't know how like blue you want me to get on this. Of a personal area and pulling the trigger lights out. Damn. And, uh, which Holy Olympia shit. which Olympia Dukakis saw and then wanted to meet her after wow. watching that act. So my whole point is is that this woman suddenly introduced to me this concept of twisting sexuality, of kind of discovering who you are in a physical way without having to what I thought was dress yourself up and be that kind of hypersexualized. Mm-hmm. So as I thought about it, I met this amazing, other amazing woman named Tippy Canoe, Liz Mead. Uh, she's from an old school Appalachian family who was living up in Giles County outside of Blacksburg. That's a farming county. We met. I fell in love with her. You know, when you just meet someone whose energy and their vibe and their direction is just exactly what you know, like a person who is familiar and you've just met them. That was Liz to me. That was you for me. Also you for me. Oh, really? Yeah, I have that with you too, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But not CK. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. I don't have to stay. (laughs) CK, please stay. (laughs) Everybody's favorite old punching bag, old CK. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So you love Tippy. So, yes, um, and Liz, Liz became uh, a huge artistic inspiration because she's fearless. She is absolutely fearless. And I told her about Stormy, and I told her about all these new thoughts I was having about burlesque, and I was listening to all this new music I was finding on Groove Shark and, like, just feeling inspired when she said, well, why don't we just set up a, why don't we just make our own burlesque show? And so we did in the hookah lounge, and it went pretty okay. Um, thinking back on it now, we did not know what we were doing. Um, we weren't allowed to go bare breast, so we had to kind of bikini bar it down. So I feel like we had a full house of the hookah lounge, full lounge, but I feel like some people were maybe a little disappointed Uh. by that. And on top of that, 
she and I are two big fucking weirdos. But she is like the iridescent um, rainbow on a gasoline spill version of Beautiful Weirdo. At the time, I was more of the sweaty break things apart i made a whole act called the garbage queen that involved my friends smashing records behind me while i rode a garbage can in a hookah lounge in blacksburg virginia adjacent to the virginia tech campus uh, go hokies uh, <laughs> but after after that i at the time though we finished and i'm like i'm a fucking superstar now i'm an artist i'm a burlesque dancer and i didn't do it again for three years. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Until I moved to LA. And I'm sure, I think everyone has the LA experience where you move here and everything's a little hard at first. And then somehow you end up having an insanely traumatic event just fall out of the sky that completely like roots you to yeah. LA while completely twisting what you thought it was going to look like. Okay. What was your version of that? Oh, my boyfriend of eight years and I broke up in the most like cataclysmic fucking explosions, awful, everything's terrible. All, every part of it was just like, fuck. Wow. We lived together in a studio. We, neither of us could afford to live separately, but then still separated. Like the, the whole fighting, but you're only in one spot with no one to go anywhere. Like, bad, 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 bad. So and after that, I moved to I moved in with two strangers into an apartment in Koreatown. Couldn't even find my way away to and from that apartment. Like the first time I got lost. <laughs> uh, this is completely new. Put a mattress on the floor. I was just sitting and like crying on alternate nights. And just had this weird moment where honestly, I was probably halfway down a bottle of red wine or something, just water coloring on the floor and crying to myself. And I was like, I could do burlesque. And I just messaged the, one of the first people I met out here. I think it was Alyssa Wagner, who is Ginger De Amore. Just like, I'm going to be brave. And I was like, how do I burlesque? Where do I go? And then she connected me to what the fuck lesque. So how did it go? I thought it went great. The guy that I was seeing from Tinder at the time, um, the next week ghosted me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah well you know his loss and yeah you you it, it all worked out <laughs> yeah it says a lot about him so, so then when did um when did the comedy come into the picture because you started doing um i met you doing we were sharing a night at the pack theater um you were on a team called daughters of triton and i was on uh Fembot phd so how did that how did that come into play like were you taking classes like what what happened um, it's kind of the same thing. The meteorite strike of the breakup. One of um, the thing I did several things. So I tried jumping back in the burlesque and did. I joined a dodgeball team. I was terrible. Um, <laughs> and then I took uh, improv classes for the first time. Uh, oh. UCB. Back when UCB was doing, uh, they had that class space of the Anthony Padalecki Duda School. I can't remember what it's called. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I don't know. That was probably that was probably rude. I'm sorry, Anthony. Um, you're probably very nice. Anyway, <laughs> so I was uh, eventually I did pretty well, and I got up to the classes at the main building. What's going on? And one of the girls in my class, Catherine Cow, came up to me one day and was like, "Hey, so we have a sketch team. I don't know if you've heard of the Pack Theater, but we're looking for another female member. And you're funny, and you have boobs. Do you want to?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, it's my dream." 
this is the fantasy. You move to LA, you start taking comedy classes, and then someone's like, hey, wanna join a sketch team? Fuck yes, I'm gonna be like mad TV material in no time. I was <laughs> yes. thrilled. I was fucking thrilled. Yeah. Learned how to write sketch while on that team. Uh, met my current boyfriend. What? Yeah. Uh, whoops. <laughs> I, right at the time where I said, like, I'm never going to date. I'm never going to date anybody in comedy. I'm never going to date anybody as an actor. Like, I can't handle this. It's too much energy, whatever. Got to, like, three months later. I was going to Mike Rose would be my boyfriend. Like, Oh, mm. <laughs> that's uh, super sweet. Is it? Is yes. it? We were on a sketch team called Dars of Trade, and you should have seen some of the crap he did to me on that team, all right? Like, I didn't get, <laughs> it's not like we had this sweet romance. No, this man had me dipping my face in a bowl of milk with hot Cheetos in it. That shit burns. That was oh, in my eyes. Dang. And he cast me. He cast me as like, he cast me as like, the, he's going to hear this and be so annoyed with me. But, he went, but you do, man. You do. <laughs> <laughs> he listens to this podcast. Like, Hi, Mike. <laughs> but, I don't know. Uh, to me, a uh, little pain. That sounds like pleasure to me. <laughs> Hey <laughs> No, I'm just I'm just teasing. When I, what I'm getting at is that like we had a great relationship and we we're all super like cool and daughters, but we all went our separate ways. And uh, I was rolled onto another team, Pella Monster. Again, absolutely awesome. Loved working with all of them. But at that time, I actually had too much going on with work and whatnot. So then I ended up uh, doing nothing and joined Night Church. And Night Church is was is a horror comedy sketch team. Yeah. Did some of my best work with them, um, hands down. Loved it. We were doing crazy stuff. We were getting bigger and bigger. Then everything happened. And honestly, like when you just have a group, not to not to brag, when you have a group like Night Church where everybody is insanely skilled and strong, going a year, it really means we've already like gone in different directions. So we're kind of, it's sad. We're still kind of together and we talk and we every so often are like, what if we did this thing? But the truth is, is that we pushed our talents after a while and just don't have the same time we did to do the old sketch at the theater thing. Yeah. Oh, interesting. It's a bummer. You guys, so uh, if and when Pat comes back, you guys are... Uh, I don't know. No, I, I guess I'm the one, I guess I'm announcing it here. Like Night Church is not coming back to doing... Uh, main shows anymore oh. i wouldn't be against us like in a year from now in october coming back together to do just like one big night church halloween show if it was possible oh, but yeah but keeping like the month to month i don't know about you guys but i i don't think i can do that in any context it's a lot of work it yeah, is mm-hmm. so work. much work yeah, yeah. Well, and like fun while you're doing it it's like oh this is this is like you know you're you're in this rhythm and stuff like that so you mm-hmm. get pretty used to it but like you know game you know everything's changed yeah <laughs> everything's changed exactly yeah. it, it's a lot of work it really is and uh, when you get into that role and then you step out of it and realize that you're relieved yeah. a bit just not you're not relieved to not have the opportunities you're relieved to have the time back yeah and it yeah. usually yeah. means you probably shifted on a little <laughs> yeah you've done uh you've done a lot of stuff you've done um not only have you um not only have you like written on on sketch teams, done burlesque, done comedy burlesque. Uh, you also direct, uh, you directed my show, and you were really really great. Um, oh, thank you. You directed the Happy Sappy Grown Up Hour, and it was so great having you come on. Um, your your sense of like your your sense of like stage stage picture and uh, the notes that you gave were really really great. And I just think it's cool. You're you're sort of a you're sort of an uh, every man every woman <laughs> every person you're an every person or you, you it it really seems like you can 
do every role. And so I'm curious, have you ever done, like, have you ever done stand-up? Oh, God, didn't we all try? Didn't we all try? <laughs> <laughs> I did a couple mm-hmm. times. Woof. <laughs> Uh, it's it's tough, right? Yeah, and you you, tough. you gotta you gotta really you gotta really have like the right personality to grind for stand up. And I don't yeah. have it. I really don't. Like yeah. you look at like the um, oh, most of our friends who are out there doing this. Like they're still going every night. Yeah, and yeah. they were powering and multiple mics a night. Yeah. you know what I mean. Like it's a it's you have to be so mm-hmm. into it. Yeah, yeah. I just don't have their power. I don't yeah. have. I don't have. I don't have that. I don't have that arena energy whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, but spoken word, spoken word stuff. Like I feel like I'm not the only one at this table right now who, like, instead that little bit of that stand up energy you want to be able to kind of like talk and create, but. I guess uh, have the the simplicity of that. It's just a story, so you don't have to worry about the comedy beats. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Storytelling yeah. is super fun. But why do you ask? Are you starting a are you starting a open mic? Oh gosh, no. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was curious because yeah, yeah. because I know you have done. You've like dipped your your toes in so many different like arenas mm-hmm. of creativity, and you're also a visual artist as well. Um, I just I was curious if you had done stand up. Um, or if you had ever, if you're planning on ever trying it. Oh yeah, I was a self-absorbed in my twenties. Of course, <laughs> I tried. But no, you're right. You're right. Because uh, well, yeah, that's been a problem though. The whole dipping my toes into everything. It's like yeah. what what we're trying to do now is have an actual focus and yes. actually like not uh, try and spread because everything is awesome. And for a while, it felt like you had to learn a little bit of everything because no one's really going to help you. And if they do help you, they probably don't know as much as you do ironically, yeah. every single time. So it felt a lot like I'm going to learn to direct. I'm going to learn, I'm teaching myself how to edit. Now I'm teaching myself how to do audio. Now I'm teaching myself how to shoot. Now I'm teaching myself how to do this and that and this and that. So you can finish these projects. But um, I actually have done pretty well for myself in the last year and a half of building up my confidence and also putting out products that prove, yeah, I I can actually do this. I can do this really well. And it made me realize that since I got a little bit more attention and a little bit more heat, the questions I was getting from people who could help push me a little further were questions I could better answer if I was more focused. So I tried to drop something. That's uh, why the burlesque question kind of threw me a bit and the whole like this rang, that rang is like, I don't want to say I'm giving up all these things that I've enjoyed doing and I like being involved in. And I don't want anyone to not ask me to like work on their project or something because I'm saying this. It's just I found a really good rhythm of I have right now I have one burlesque idea I want to do and I'm not taking it or announcing it anywhere until I have it completely done and ready to roll. And it's taking a back seat to me focusing on all these other pieces that just need finesse and they need information and they need my full time. Gotcha. And it feels great. Well, let's ask our ask some some questions, some five some other questions, some <laughs> other different questions. Different <laughs> questions that are the same questions we ask all of our guests in a segment we call These are five things. Okay, first question is, uh, what's your biggest influence in comedy? Well, you know, the theater of life is really the best influence. You're gonna laugh. You're gonna laugh. No. Can you hold it back? No, because no. it's real. It's a real influence. <laughs> it is real. It's true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know what? I thought I was gonna say that for funsies, but I also mean it. So I don't know what I was trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess 
I, I'm, I'm weird about influences, man, because every time you get a question like that, I, I feel like you're asking me, like, if you could only save one, which one would you save? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. hard to it's hard to choose just one. Mm-hmm, True. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't I, honestly I don't think I can. Um, plus, it would just lead to a longer conversation about each one. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I do like the, what did you say? The comedy of life? <laughs> the, the, the theater of life. The theater of life. The theater of life. No, I, I relate to that though. Cause I like, do <laughs> you ever find yourself like laughing at something and the person's just, not, they're not doing anything funny. They're just being a stereotype in some way, but it's like not funny, but it's funny to you. Cause you're like, oh, this is making me think of all the stereotypes that human beings are. Yes. It's and sweet. Then, yeah. But then that person looks at you like, what the fuck are you laughing at? <laughs> I realized, like, oh, right, that wasn't funny. Nothing about what you were very genuine in that moment. And I just laughed at you. Like, what the fuck is my problem? Yes. Yes. Uh, I love it, though, because, like, I do. Real life is, like, so. there's just, it's so much better. Yes. I don't know, than almost anything that people make. Yes. It's great. It's uh, true. All these, like, bizarre things that people do. Because you do them, too. That's what Oh, yeah. Is, oh, like, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Watch that someone who's trying to, like, stack something because they got too many things through the uh, self-checkout. And you can see them, like, having this whole jerky <laughs> moment. Like, okay, I just got to, like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. And you're like, you're going <laughs> to. Uh, uh, all right. Best experience in comedy. Worst experience in comedy. One of oh. each. Probably, oh, probably the worst was uh, the 2016 election. It was before uh, that night I had done my first show that I produced at the PAC, which was a dis- it was a chaotic disaster. I'm kind of proud of it. <laughs> um, uh, debate 2000. It, okay. was, uh, I, it was improv debate. It was what it was supposed to be. Complete chaos. Uh, leading up to election night, uh, Brian O'Connell, who was running programming at the time, asked if I wanted to bring it back just for that night because we're going to do some like election programming. Um, none of us could have predicted how emotionally distraught that night was going to be. Yeah. Uh, so what did I have? What did I have coming to the stage on this improv debate that also we were talking about the election results in real time? Yeah, yeah, I had a Leroy Patterson dress up as Donald Trump, and uh, I also uh, had another friend dress up as um, Hillary Clinton, and she beat up Leroy Patterson with a kendo sword that um, my boyfriend Mike Rose was uh, refereeing dressed as Uncle Sam, and I think he possibly was in inline skates to (laughs) the three people in the audience who were crying. Oh, and Miley Cyrus' Party in the USA was playing (laughs) with the video. This sounds like a fucking David Lynch movie. (laughs) (laughs) That was that was that was rough. Yeah, that was probably my worst produced show. Bro, yeah, Yeah, that's a rough. That's rough. Okay, Um, best. Let's turn it around. Best, 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 best. Um, you know what? Honestly, there's there's just a lot of really amazing moments and whatnot. One is uh, I wrote this sketch called The Myth of the Bisexual for a Night Church show. <laughs> and it is 100% my favorite video to go back and look at over and over and over again because Vanessa Guerrero and uh, Frankie Griffin performed the shit out of that sketch. It was, for our, it was for our LGBT show, so I specifically wanted something that, and if I did, again, I would change it to pansexual, but I didn't have the same, I, I didn't know I was pan when I wrote it. Um, I had so desperately wanted to do a sketch that was about 
like the bullshittery of being a bisexual and being constantly questioned and like it's not real and that whole thing but still have it be funny and not just like getting in your face and i cannot describe how well they both hit these lines that could have very easily just been like na 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 the more you know and instead it's the 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 funniest toe in the line thing i think i have ever written and seen performed uh the other best experience i've had was another night church show but in this case it's just because one of my blood bags went off really well i had uh tripped out a bag of blood um a bag with blood with um a special effects thing so it had tooth floss tied to it it was a zipper bag so if i did it right and you rip it open and i had already done two that night that hadn't worked and so i'm like oh god i hope this one does so at the very very end of the sketch she does a slash and then i pulled it and i wasn't sure if it went and touched my stomach and then goosh just Uh. half a gallon of fake blood all down my crotch on the ground i fell on my knees like to the ground oh Oh, God. (laughs) I love it when effect works. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Spectacle. Spectacle. I know. When effects work, it's it's so rewarding. I just got goosebumps just remembering that. (laughs) I can't describe it unless you've, like, done it and got into it. Like, you have no idea. (laughs) Yes. Okay. uh, Next question. Hype up a friend, somebody that you'd like to see come on the podcast, perhaps, or just, you know, somebody you think is great. Uh, I'm going to, for right now, I'm going to hype up a friendo, all of my friends, because they have a show coming up at the end of October, and they have been the most consistently strong and really positive and strong group sketch team that have existed all through all the troubles and everything. So October 30th, open the portal uh, to hype up a very specific friend and possibly someone to have on the show. Um, uh, She doesn't necessarily do comedy. She's just a... Very incredibly strong community person. Uh, my good girl, um, Monica Itzel. Uh, she currently has several different, if you go and search her online, oh goodness, I can't remember. You know, if you look up Kaleidoscope Collective, you'll see a lot of the different community programmings and different like gatherings that they're putting together, COVID safe, of course. But honestly, I find her to be one of the most fascinating people in Los Angeles. She has, I hope I'm not wrong in saying it this way, and Monica, if you hear this, I'm so sorry. Uh, she has a master's degree in Bruja, basically. Oh, wow. She is, uh, culturally and education-wise, just one of the most incredible people to talk to. She knows what is up. Also, her fashion's on point. All right. <laughs> she has the best style. <laughs> very important, very important. Uh, okay, you have done a ton already. You have apparently tried stand-up. You do burlesque. You've done sketch, live sketch. You've written for things. What is something you haven't yet had the opportunity to do in your career that you're excited to do? Direct a feature. Ooh, 100%. okay. okay. Right. A horror feature, a comedy feature? Um, we'll, we'll see. I'm trying to, I'm trying to work myself up to it. Uh, I was given, I was given a camera. Um, I'm trying to work out figuring out audio for it or how to shoot something with as little audio as, as little dialogue as possible. So I can just use outside. So I have a ton of like experimental ideas to kind of train myself, uh, to eventually shooting a feature. And I don't know what that'll look like because it feels like what I want to do 
is shoot something kind of experimental. I've had a couple of big ideas in my mind for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I have full confidence that you will do an amazing job. Thank you. Final question. Um, This is the big one. Uh, What advice do you have for people who are either just starting out or who are in the midst of doing comedy? Yeah, just do it all. Do every single thing. Like, everyone's going to tell you what their advice is in this direction. And, like, the fact is, is that anyone who's successful, honestly, and this is not a dig, it's a lightning strike of luck. It's huge. Luck is huge. Mm -hmm. So the best thing to do is just to keep doing everything. Because you're eventually going to find the parts of it that you actually enjoy, even if you're not, like, the next... Adam Sandler, Kristen Wiig, or what have you. You know, do it all. Listen to everybody and be kind about it, but just take a chance. Oh, that was great. Great advice. <laughs> very good, very, very good clean, for our social concise. media blurb. Yes. yes. Oh my gosh. Just like very straightforward. Uh. Just think about all the different times where uh, like you just, you didn't do something just a little bit cool because like, it's like, does this really benefit the work I'm trying to do? And who gives a fuck. Or throw some blood on yourself and go down a slip and slide. It uh, might look cool. Uh, <laughs> that's going to be the advice. <laughs> throw some blood on yourself. Go down a slip and slide. <laughs> All right, CK, it was so great to talk to you today. Um, and to and we're very excited for our what's to come for you. I'm excited what's come for y'all, man. Let's like let's let's make something cool. Oh yeah. Oh. Into it. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Oh, yo, CK is uh, so fire. It was she's got so much energy. It was so nice yes. to have her in the studio. Oh my god, so so lovely. Yeah, she's got a really interesting mind. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I don't know. It's uh, like I'm, I'm I want to like I want to go in there sometime and like in her, into her brain and see like oh cool like there's like a there's like a, a glitter wall and there's like a dead bird. And like, <laughs> like, like that's how I imagine yeah. her brain is like a bunch of different like knickknacks and, and stuff like that. And encyclopedias. Cabinet of curios. Yeah. Cabinet yeah. of curios. That is CK Kimball's brain. Um, uh, yeah. She's also like, you know, she, it's, it's funny when she said like the theater of life was her inspiration, just because I feel like in listening to her talk, you hear her making observations in real time about things that have happened to her you know what I mean like she's very clearly like thinking through everything um this is so interesting to talk to somebody like that yeah yeah I'm really excited for like for her and uh, you know what's gonna come in the future for her if you've uh if you've ever listened read any of her articles that she's written they're like they're very well written they're very well thought out like and super super duper interesting i'm like i know nothing about this horror movie that she is talking about but i really am enjoying reading about it (laughs) from her perspective yeah 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 cool shit yeah, she's very smart too. She's yeah. clearly very with it. Look at us having a crush. I know. Yeah. Ooh, it's nice to get the crushes back in the studio too. It gives me all the warm and fuzzies. Oh my God, it's so good. It's great. Yeah. Ooh. And if you thought that was good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, where do you check out the other podcasts on the Period Podcast Network? Oh, there's so many good ones about comic books sex workers strippers a post-apocalyptic cooking oh uh tinseltown tea talking about 
Hollywood writing, writing in Hollywood. Oh, we got the, the, there are more coming. I know that we've got a couple podcasts that are in development. Yeah, which is very exciting. And if you would like to see them get developed, and you want to see this stuff continue to exist, you want to support underrepresented voices in podcasting, you can throw us a couple bucks on our Patreon. Yeah, it's um, you don't have to throw us a bunch of bones, but like a couple bones would be nice. Please like review uh, our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts for your chance to win. <laughs> no, I swear next week will be the last week of the raffle. I'm yes, going to figure okay, this out. It's right. done. We're done. The we're raffle's done. ending. The raffle is Starting done. Starting a new raffle after this episode. Yes, and we're, we're, we'll announce in the next episode who the, the winner, winner is. of this raffle is. Yes. And it, it could be you if you go and like and review our podcast <laughs> on Apple Podcasts right now because you might be the only one. It's not. No, you aren't. I've seen. Oh, are there's, there? There's this some reviews. Working? I think so. Oh yeah. I. Uh, yeah. There's so many reviews. So no, there's not a lot of reviews. D- uh, you you have a good chance. You have a good chance, but not a perfect chance. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're figuring out marketing in real time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always a pleasure. Oh my gosh, Nikki! It's always so good to see you. It's so good to see you. Hey, Kate, what's up? Keep crushing. <laughs> <laughs>Comedy Girl Crush was created by Nikki Urban, is edited by Kate Siegel, is produced by Kate Siegel, Mackenzie Mazel, and the Period Podcast Network. Our music is by Rena Hunter, and our artwork is by Ariel Alter. 